Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, it's Candace and Kayla, and we're directionally challenged. Yep, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we're in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. We don't. But I don't care because today's episode is so awesome and I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm fangirling <laughs> so much um, because when we were trying to figure out like, what do we want to talk about in the winter time and these like cold months coming up? Like we've talked about holidays in the past. Like what's like a wintry theme, you know? And then I was thinking about you. We've always talked about Canada, Kayla. And then I mm -hmm. remembered like <gasps> one of my favorite follows on Instagram is the internet sensation figure skater, Elage Balde. 
And I'm going to be honest, I had, didn't follow him and had no idea at that time who he was. And I am so grateful that you brought him into our, my life. Not only is he just incredibly talented and just changing the game for his sport, but he is an incredible human too. And just to be able to meet and sit down with him was truly sensational. I'm so excited. I, I mean... I, the first time I saw Elijah's videos um, was because the wonderful Jennifer Garner posts them. And she's so great at posting art and artists that I wouldn't normally follow. Like, I don't follow ballet, but mm. I love watching the videos that she posts about ballet. And then now I'm finding myself like watching ballet videos. I never follow any figure skaters, but Miss um, Jennifer Garner posted a video of Elijah and then I was hooked. I just couldn't stop watching his videos. And if you follow him, you know why. If you don't follow him, I mean, he just, he, he's skating to hip hop and the way that he moves and like his incredible like backflips and all the things like, and it's just the passion. And if I talk too much now, it's just going to ruin the things that we start talking about in our interview. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. I'm shaking my hands. Kayla, I'm so glad that you now follow Elaj and that you're so excited to talk with him as well. This is just the best day ever. I'm so excited. Read his bio. Read his bio. <laughs> Today we are sitting down with the wonderful Elaj Balde. He is a Canadian skater of Russian and Guinean ancestry. The newfound stardom marks the first step in his ambitious quest to confront racial inequities in figure skating and to build an inclusive future for this sport. He is all that and so much more. So here is our wonderful interview with Elaj Balde. I feel like my my cheeks are going to explode. I'm smiling so big. Um, <laughs> Elaj Balde, thank you so much for being here. Of course, how I had to start my morning was visit your Instagram page, knowing that we're going to sit down with you. And I saw your very sweet tribute to your wife. And then I went into a whole deep dive over all your videos of the past and your skating videos, the ones that I've been falling in love with over the last year, year and a half. And I mean, it's it's the breaking it down on the ice. It's the dancing. It's this charged choreography <laughs> set to hip hop and pop music. And one of my favorite things about not only watching your kick ass backflips that you do on your own and over people, mm -hmm. which is a whole mm -hmm. other thing I'm excited to talk about, <laughs> but it's the joy. I think that it's the joy that on your face, in your movements. And I have to know, what was the first video that you made that made you realize, oh, people are watching this and paying attention and this is something special? Yeah, I think um, I think it was actually the first video that my wife and I, Michelle, um, the first one we recorded, um, I remember doing it and I remember feeling a bit awkward in the performance and not being used to performing for camera because it's a completely different thing performing for a live audience versus camera. So I had to adjust in the ways that I connected to myself, to music, but also to the vehicle that I'll be communicating with and which at that moment was camera. So it was a bit of a process, but I remember finishing that first day and be like, there's something here that allows me to have more freedom than I've ever had, I think, in my entire career. And that's when uh, the seed was planted and then we just watered it and it just kept growing and it just became now, you know, uh, being able to, again, live in the space where I, I can do what I want to do, how I want to do it, 
um, just allows me to have a, a, a sense of freedom that I'd never experienced before in terms of my skating career. So uh, it's pretty special. Talking about your skating career, we really want to take uh, our listeners back to the beginning for those who haven't been there with you yet. Can you talk to us about your childhood, what it was like growing up? I know you were born in Moscow and then moved to Canada as a child and you've spent your life on the rinks of Montreal. And I know you've also said that to society, you were a black boy in figure skating, and you felt like those didn't line up for the longest time. You really struggled with your identity. Can you take us through that a little bit um, so our listeners can understand uh, little Elage? Yeah, yeah, little Elage. Um, so yeah, so my my mom is Russian. My dad is from Africa. Um, I was born in Russia. We immigrated to Canada when I was just uh, I was about two years old, and my mom, being a figure skater. Uh, back in Russia when she was younger, um, she was always very passionate about the sport. And um, around the age of six, you know, she introduced me to skating. And, you know, I remember the first few moments were really fun. I remember just mm-hmm. being on the ice and being with my mom and being comfortable really quickly and being able to do things right away. And the sport got serious very quickly. And that's when I started hating skating. I started hating going to the rink because growing up um, with an African father, Russian mother, um, especially figure skating in Russia, it's such a big sport. It's like a religion there. And people practice figure skating not to do it for fun. They do it to be the best and world champion, Olympic champion. And that's kind of, that's kind of the only goal, um, especially because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of poverty uh, in, in certain areas in, in Russia. And there's a lot of skaters that were able to get their families out of poverty through figure skating. And so there's this mentality where when you pick up skates and you're going to be a figure skater, it's to be Olympic champion. So that kind of conditioning and that kind of pressure, um, Little Elage didn't enjoy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I remember, you know, I, I remember like hiding my skates and telling my mom that I lost my skates because I didn't want to go to the rink, you know, and I remember putting them in the closet and, you know, she would go through my stuff, find my skates and then bring me to the rink. Um, but I had something, my mom saw something special in me, even though I was on the ice and, you know, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't really enjoy the process of competing and doing all of that. She saw that there was something in me that people would eventually be able to connect with. And if I was able to sit in my truth and my authenticity, I would be able to connect with large amounts of people. Um, I didn't understand that though, obviously as a kid, um, all I wanted to do is go back home and play video games. So, um, <laughs> but you know, so that's kind of where the journey started, but I did start to fall in love with the sport Uh, More specifically, when I started landing jumps that kids my age weren't landing and I started Mm -hmm. winning competitions and I started doing things where I was like, okay, there is something here for me to work on. um, And I see that there's a potential for me to do something great. And um, and I became obsessed with landing new jumps. And so the whole technical side of the sport just was fascinating to me. You know, landing your first double jump is something that honestly is really hard to describe or your first triple jump or your first quad is just this sense of accomplishment that um that just resonates in your entire body so that's kind of my when my love for skating started developing and then like you said i spent 
uh, most of my life in Montreal. I did go to Michigan for four years, trained with some of the top coaches in the world, um, and then came back to Montreal for the last three years of my uh, of my competitive career. And uh, um, yeah, it was a it was a roller coaster definitely throughout this these uh, twenty some years of competing. It sounds like your mother saw the talent in you at a very young age, but as you got older, you saw the talent within yourself. Um, was there a coach or any other mentor, another skater? Um, that you watched that inspired you in those kind of years where you started taking charge of your skating career? Yeah. Um, very early on, um, because my mom being Russian, I was very connected to the Russian figure skaters. Um, I loved watching them jump, especially Alexei Yagudin, who was the most powerful jumper out there. And he was artistic and um, was able to, to, to make people feel things. And I remember being so inspired by that, um, especially on a technical level, you know, he could, his jumps were just massive. And I remember being young and having a lot of power and, you know, having big jumps. And so I identified with that to a certain extent. Um, but I will say though, that in terms of me being who I truly wanted to be on the ice, um, I didn't have any representation uh, for most of my career. It wasn't until I was maybe 16, 17, where I saw um, his name was Maxime Billy Fortin, and he's a French Canadian figure skater, black French Canadian figure skater. And it was the first time I saw a black man skate live in front of me. And that just shook my whole world because for the first time I saw something that was different. Like he was doing, he was popping on the ice. He was skating to hip hop music. He was performing in a way that was so raw and there was so much energy behind it. And I'd never seen that before. And not only was he able to do that, but he was able to do all the difficult jumps. And I remember seeing that for the first time and being like, this is what I can be, and this is what I want to be. And from that point on, I decided that I was going to skate to music that I wanted to skate to. And I was going to start to develop myself as an artist and as a performer. Um, but it took some time. Uh, I wasn't until, yeah, I was like 16 or 17. It's so interesting because as an adult, you always hear, you know, stay true to who you are. And it's such great advice, but it's so much harder to do. It's just really difficult to do. And, um, what was the first time you performed on the ice fully as yourself in front of people fully as um, the dressing the way you wanted to, to the music you wanted to the What, what was that experience like? How did it feel afterwards? Yeah. Um, it's liberating to be honest. Huh? It's, it's a sense of it's, it's, it's liberating because for the first time you feel like, you know, you don't have to hide or be different or, or fit a mold or conform to rules, you can just do what you want. And, you know, and for me, I want to say that it wasn't as much of one specific moment, but more of a mm -hmm. uh, consistent uh, progress to get to that place. Um, I started in the competitive world where I started picking the music that I wanted to pick. And again, what I wanted to wear on the S because there was a period of time where I did everything to fit the mold. I changed the way, the kind of music I skated to and the kind of music I listened to, even outside of skating, uh, what uh -huh. I wore on the ice, but then what I wore outside of the ice, you know, all of these things I, I, I did to fit a mold 
of figure skating, which was a very, you know, white European, uh, uh, rich, elitist kind of environment, which I, I, none of these things were, were, were me. So I tried to fit that and, and, and it was, it was, it never felt right. Um, so, you know, breaking out of that mold takes some time and it was a slow process, but, um, I want to say that throughout my competitive career, there's a few key moments, especially towards the end of my career where, um, you know, I was able to do what I want to do within those rules, you know, within those boundaries. I didn't find full freedom as a competitor because there's still things you have to do if you want to perform and, 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 um, and get the scores that you feel like you, you, you deserve. Um, but then moving to then uh, my professional career, which is touring and doing shows around the world, you know, there's a lot, there's not, there's no rules really as to what you have to do, but you still have to, you're still performing for production companies. So even though I did find a little bit more freedom when I was doing shows and, and became pro, there are still things I had to do, uh, you know, for the production company. So I want to say that the moment where I felt the most freedom was when I started making videos on social media. And that moment, uh, uh, you know, that it, it's a very specific moment, but that moment that I was skating for the first time on the Lake Minnewanka, uh, first time I skated outdoors in the mountains on a frozen lake, um, skating to what I wanted to skate to, wearing a bull's jacket um, and moving the way that I wanted to move, that's probably the epitome of freedom when it comes to being a figure skater. Uh, because I was, I, 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 yeah, I was, I was able to do what I wanted to do in the space that was created by nature. Uh, there's nothing better than I that. I was going to ask if you grew up skating on natural ice or natural frozen bodies of water. I'm from Florida, so forgive me if I'm not addressing <laughs> um, a frozen we call lake. It, we call it okay, wild perfect. ice. <laughs> yeah. But if you grew up skating in um, in that environment, or if that that's incredible that that was your first time on that video. Yeah, you know, as a, as a figure skater, you train indoors all day, three, four hours a day, you're on the ice. So the last thing you want to do is go find another piece <laughs> of ice somewhere outside when it's minus 30 and you're just, you're just done with it for the day. So I would go home and rest, you know, I'd never wanted to skate outside. So, uh, so yeah, that was my, and, and yes, I've skated outside in terms of like, you know, maybe there's a Canadian hockey rink, uh, and we go out right. and play, play some hockey, you know, things like that. Yeah. But skating in nature where the ice was formed and created by mother nature, that was my first time. It's funny. My husband's Canadian and I've skated on natural ice before in Canada and it is terrifying the first time you do it. I remember looking down and the the water was so clear. You can see the fish swimming deep down and the reeds blow. And I just thought, oh my gosh, it's going to crack. And then my husband's laughing and he points and there's a full on massive truck on the ice next to me. He's like, if it can hold the truck, it can hold you. But there really is something um, almost liberating about being in that environment and feeling that and being able to almost see the fish swimming underneath you. And you really are immersed in nature in so You're many connected. levels. You're connected to connected. nature in a way that that you there's no other way to feel disconnected if you're practicing skating or, you know, because you're doing this thing, at least for me, I'm doing this thing that I love. And I'm able to do it completely connected to nature. And that's, and there's a terrifying feeling with it too. Like you said, it's like, you can see the bottom of the lake and, <laughs> you know, sometimes the ice is two, three inches thick, but that is enough to, to, to hold your weight. But you can hear all those sounds, the cracking, sometimes, you know, the ice shifts. So you can feel like 
boom, and you can feel it just kind of drop a little bit. But all of those things are normal and it's just a, a natural thing that happens. And it's it's just everything together. It just makes it a magical experience. I want to go back to kind of what you were speaking on as far as sticking to a mold. Why does why is it such a rigid mold, especially in on the road to the Olympics um, in many sports? But let's just focus on ice skating, of course, or uh, just skating, figure skating, of course. Yeah. Why is there the certain kind of music and the certain outfits and certain moves that are just not accepted. Um, in reading up on you and in your career, I also learned a lot about um, skaters that I'd never heard of. Mabel Fairbanks, um, Surya Bonnelly, who was the uh, queen of the backflips. And as a black woman mm-hmm. who was, you know, shamed by the judges, uh, people would applaud and give her standing ovations but she was then shamed in her scores and so I don't understand how her performing an incredible backflip and then you have you know you know women doing triple axles and then that's celebrated I I just don't understand why it's so rigid and there isn't freedom to explore the what's next in a sport like figure skating the art of it yeah um Well, I think, you know, we have to take the conversation back to when black people weren't allowed to join skating clubs, you know, and that wasn't that long ago, you know, maybe 70, 80 years ago. um, It it wasn't it wasn't a thing. If you were a black skater, Mabel Fairbanks was the first black skater to join a skating club. And that wasn't until years into her practicing skating outdoors after hours when 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 no one is on the ice because she wasn't allowed to be on the ice with everyone else and then to a certain extent you know uh, to uh, until a certain time uh, black skaters weren't allowed to compete nationally so just that alone you know creates a space where the sport has been molded for a certain type of person and a certain type of style of skating and when that is so, when it's solidified into the culture of the sport, anything that's going to come that's not that will be viewed as different or will be viewed as something that isn't accepted because it's not what figure skating's culture accepts or is. And that is a process that's been going on for, 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 for decades. So even if someone like, Soria Bonali or, uh, you know, Debbie Thomas or uh, Rory Flack or Atoy Wilson, you know, comes and those are all black skaters that were incredible. And, you know, they would come and, you know, they would have a different way of moving on the ice. And just that alone, because it hasn't been seen before, it's already perceived as something that's different. And when it's different in figure skating, it's not it's not accepted. And so there's a lack of education now at this point in 2021. I think there's a lack of education as to what it looks like for different uh, bodies and different people communicating to an audience or to judges um, in a way that is authentic to them. There's a lack of education for for uh, uh, skaters, for example, who skate who want to skate to to hip hop music and and move in a way that's very hip hop. The 
judges and the skating world and the culture isn't educated to understand the difficulties and the nuances of what that looks like and what good hip hop looks like. So when it comes to judging and scores, you know, there's no way if, if someone is doing a certain style of skating that is different from what's traditionally seen, this is not good enough. This is not what skating is. And if you take hip hop, for example, there's a lot of, you know, grounding stationary movements, whereas figure skating rewards movement that just flows across the ice constantly. And and if that's what's being rewarded, then something that comes and that is more grounded and, and heavy and, uh, and and has a different type of posture, well, that doesn't match what skating is, is used to seeing and you know, what is being rewarded in the sport. And so I think that it's going to take a while for skating to start shifting uh, its 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 culture and its perspective on what is what does quality of movement really look like now in 2021. And it's not just being graceful and having nice lines. It's also being able to be uh, to, to to emote in a way that's raw and that's different. And and I think that's going to take a while. It's going to take a minute to get there. I'm, I am seeing certain shifts happening, especially in specific skaters right now uh, in the world. But I think for the culture of figure skating to catch up, um, it's going to take some time. Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. 
because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. and we're back the fact that it's even progressing in that way is um in a good direction is great um but i want to shed light on the fact that people refer to you as being the tiger woods of figure skating or doing what lewis hamilton has done for formula one and this is something you've quoted in the youtube originals docuseries the outsiders that you're in by simon frederick what was it like to have that realization and i know you've also said that you're you know it's still a realization that you're going through right now um and can you take us through that a little bit because it's really true again growing up in a sport of figure skating where or, or any sport where you feel like uh you shouldn't be there um forces you it, it gives you no choice but to find greatness, um, because until you find greatness, um, technically you'll never be seen as someone who's had success. So I think for me, you know, the realization of, of you know, someone telling me and, and Simon was one of the first ones to say it. And I, I you know, it, it, it struck me because mm. I didn't realize the impact it was having on people outside of skating. I started to see that people within the figure skating world, you know, black, indigenous and people of color reaching out to me, you know, parents saying I've inspired their kid to be more themselves um, or to pick up a pair of skates, but that's all within the space of figure skating. So for me to realize that I was having that type of impact um, outside of figure skating on a scale that's much bigger than just the world that I was living in, um, was uh, extremely humbling and, and, and something that took me a second to, I had to sit with it and, and, and try to see how does that, how does that fit in my, my journey? You know, I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily know that that was going to be my path because again, when I was a competitor, I didn't, you know, 
I wasn't an Olympic champion. You know, I didn't reach that kind of uh, competitive, uh, 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 those kind of competitive results that would put me on a certain level. And so I, for the longest time, you know, always felt like I wasn't enough. And so to be told that I'm having that kind of impact, especially outside of skating, for the first time I felt like maybe I am enough and maybe what I'm doing is enough to inspire a whole generation of, of, of kids to, uh, to be themselves and to be in a sport where they don't have to conform and hopefully that that sport will celebrate them because they deserve to be celebrated. I was going to ask you about the Olympics and um, your dreams of becoming an Olympian, because I think that the idea like the goat, you know, the greatest of all time and, you know, Simone Biles, this past uh, Olympic season, obviously shared in her vulnerability of just needing to step back. And what really got me um, was her willingness to share why it was incredibly powerful, the trauma that she experienced, along with so many other uh, gymnasts, part of the American team. But um, that she said, I finally felt like I got to make a decision as Simone. This wasn't like Simone Biles, the gymnast. This was just me, Simone. Um, you were quoted in an interview saying that for years, my self-worth was tied to the dream of being an Olympian. Uh, the Olympics were the driving force behind everything I did. And uh, at such a young age, I mean, I think that that's what is kind of we're all having to kind of reckon with is the amount of pressure that um, that athletes not only put on themselves, but we as a society put on young athletes to perform and be the greatest of all time. And that that's the only option. And, you know, you even mentioned Michael Jordan earlier. And it's funny, I as a kid, I remember him like going to play baseball and then coming back to basketball um, because I also saw Space Jam. So I under that's what really, you know, put it into perspective <laughs> for me. But as an adult, I never realized it was because he'd lost his father in a really traumatic way as his father was murdered in, you know, baseball was a connecting part of his relationship with his dad. And as an adult, I was like, oh, my gosh, like what a human vulnerable experience. He just wanted to be closer to his father. It wasn't like to prove the point of being this best athlete at all athletics. And so the idea of humanizing the the goats <laughs> of the world and uh, and humanizing the experience of like going for the dream of being an Olympian. This is a very long winded <laughs> uh, question, but the idea of, you know, as an adult, how do you look back at your experience <laughs> um, of wanting to become an Olympian and, you know, reckoning your experience of uh, of of just that's not where your path headed? And, and kind of talking to what you were just saying that like, look where I am now. And there's so many beautiful gifts right in front of me because of my athleticism and who I am. Yeah, um, this is a really important conversation, I think, in sports. Um, I think mental health is overlooked uh, in sports, especially high, uh, high level uh, um, competitive sports. You know, for 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 me, and I think a lot of athletes, you know, at it when you start the sport, um, there is a moment where you see someone achieve the highest, uh, the highest thing achievable in your sport, and you look at that, and because of the way that 
you know, society works and the way that, you know, uh, our brains sometimes work is like you, in order for you to feel like you are enough and to be uh, validated, you feel like you need to achieve that. And that is, I, I think in my opinion, um, it's, it's, it's sometimes, sometimes it can lead to, uh, some emotional and deep mental health, uh, issues because what happens, at least for me, in my experience, um, that was what I identified with being this Olympic champion is what I believed I was. And my whole, like you said, my self-worth was wrapped around this idea of being Olympic champion. And you give everything you have in that and you believe it so much that nothing, no one can say anything to you or, 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 or you feel like there's nothing that could come in a way of you achieving that. And so in a way for me, um, now looking back, I realized that in some way I was living in, uh, in delusion, if you want to say, because yes, my dream was to be Olympic champion and I put everything in it, but I didn't realize that putting everything that I know about myself and the way that I feel about myself in that would most likely lead to disappointment. Um, because even when you achieve that, you think that this thing that you achieve was going to solve your problems. It's going to make you happier in your life. But a lot of athletes realize that even when they achieve this Olympic gold, um, one, it never feels like what they imagined it feeling. And two, once that's achieved, you know, there is a little momentary period where you feel really good and you feel proud of yourself. But then the question is, well, what's next? And that continuous search for the next thing to achieve, um, to me, is a path that never leads to deep fulfillment and deep uh, 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 happiness within, with, within your heart. And so when I realized that I maybe wasn't going to be Olympic champion and maybe that wasn't my path, um, I had no idea who I was because Olympic champion was what I identified with, but Olympic champion is not what I'm going to be. So who am I? And I think a lot of athletes deal with that because you, you spend every day of your life every moment of your life, doing things, taking actions that are gonna take you towards this goal. And so you train, you eat, you sleep, you don't have time for friends, for relationships, for all these things that you need as a human being. You put all of those aside for this one thing. And one, if you don't achieve it, then you've spent all this time doing something that doesn't allow you to get to know yourself and get to know who you are. And that was a really tough process for me. And I had to dive deep internally to, to, to start getting to know myself. And, and, and to me, I started to realize too, that all of these reasons why I'm in skating, they're all external reasons. They're all uh, material reasons for the medal, for the results, for, for this, for that. There was 
at that point, I felt like there was nothing that was inside of me that was motivating me to skate that came from my heart. And you can get lost in that as an athlete, especially a high level athlete. You have all these goals and these dreams and you sometimes can lose the reason why you even, why you're even doing this sport. And so I think it's so important for athletes, at least for me, for, from that point on till the rest of my, uh, till the rest of my career, I had to switch my perspective and my approach to competition and my approach to, to, to my career. I had to find an intention that was uh, that was internal that came from that came from within, and without that, I don't think I would have been able to end my career and be completely at peace with it. Um, and a lot of athletes don't get to start this internal journey until after their career is over, and that can be very scary because once you're done with it, you're not competing anymore. You don't know what to do, and then you don't know who you are. And that's why I think it's so important for athletes to get the support around them to help them uh, to help them deal with their with their mental health and 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 guide them and 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 find a way to to help them figure out who they are as human beings and not just as athletes. That's very beautifully said. Are you do you feel comfortable sharing what your intention was or where that came from? Yeah. Of course, of course. For me, uh, my trip to Africa, I, at that point, I went to Africa with my dad um, because I was supposed to win nationals. I was kind of like the, 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 the next one that was going to be national champion. At least that's what I thought in my mind. And that didn't happen. And so that's when my questioning started of like, well, if, if I'm not even national champion, what does that mean about me being Olympic champion? So that's where my journey started. And at that point, um, my grandfather was in a coma um, in Africa. And right before my competition, my dad said that my grandfather was out of the coma and he was, that my dad was going to go to Africa to go see his grandfather uh, one last time, just in case he wakes up, he can speak to him and be with him. Or if he passes away, at least he's going to be there for that. And he wanted me to go with him and I couldn't because I had nationals coming up and then all these other things that I needed to do, worlds and and and, and all of that. Um, but then nationals went terribly. And, you know, obviously now I see that it was meant to happen that way because the trip that I took uh, to Africa with my dad to Guinea uh, changed my life. And uh, I spent three weeks there in the village with my dad and and my entire family on his side, grandma, grandpa, uh, um, uncles, aunts. There's about 50 of us of there in the village and we're all related. Um, and it's it's it was a magical experience because for the first time, you know, I understood what internal fulfillment looks like you know being there and being in the village with my dad where there's no electricity there's no running water you know they have chicken goats cows they eat off the land and live with the land i started to realize that these people there my family you know they are fulfilled and they're content but they don't have all the things that we have in 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 our world in our society you know all the technologies and opportunities you know they don't have that, but they have a sense of fulfillment in life that I hadn't seen in, in, in Canada or in the U S. And so I started to try to understand where that came from. And 
And, and I came to the realization that I came from them being connected to themselves, connected to nature and connected to each other. And that human connection that they had with each other was a deep source of fulfillment for them. And I realized at that moment that the part that I loved the most about skating was connecting with people, making people feel something, making the audience uh, uh, experience what I'm trying to tell them. And when I made that realization from that point on, I decided that even when I was in competition, I wasn't going to see audience and judges. I was just going to see human beings in the building. And my intention from that point on was to connect with every single human being in that building. Um, and that changed the way that I approached skating. And it, and it changed my career because after that, I did start winning competitions uh, because I was sitting in a different space. I was operating from, from a space that was, mu that was much deeper than just the material things that I was uh, uh, motivated by before. And so it made my, my performances more deep. Uh, uh, people felt it more and it, and it became more real. And, um, and from that point on, that was the journey for me to continue to develop myself as an artist and as a performer. How can I continue to connect with, with people? How can I continue to share my story on the ice and make people feel things? And um, yeah, that was... Uh, well, I think you've done an incredible job because everyone is connecting to you, even within like a couple minute clip on a little tiny screen on their phone. You can feel your connectedness and your joy that you bring um, to your videos and your performances. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. And we're back. I want to ask you some really fun, silly questions now uh, because <laughs> Let's do it. because that's like the, the fun thing is obviously like you started creating these videos and all of a sudden, you know, you're a whole different group of people are seeing you like I'm not someone that follows figure skating or skating in my general everyday life. I kind of just follow you on social media, to be honest. Um, so like, who are the fun people that like have slid into your DMs that you were like, oh, my gosh, they're watching my videos. That's crazy. <laughs> um, 
Jennifer Garner is one of them. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Octavia Spencer, Taraji, uh, Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Probably one of my biggest flexes yes. of all time is Snoop Dogg sharing my video. You know, growing up, it's like I was really into rap and hip hop and, and you know, Snoop, Snoop Dogg, Tupac, uh, uh, Biggie, you know, all of those guys. I was listening to their music and I wish that I could skate to that, but I couldn't. Um, and then I did a little thing with with uh, um, one of Snoop Dogg's songs and uh, and he reposted it. And that was that was one of the coolest moments. I think That's the fun thing. Like I, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of ways we need to yeah. grow with social media as a society. But when when it's like the fun stuff and the joy and when you it is connecting like good people with good people and artists with artists, that's like that's the stuff that makes it really fun. I want to talk about the Figure Skating Diversity and Inclusion Alliance that you co-founded. Um, when did you co-found this program and what inspired you to do so? Yeah, um, so FSDIA was co-founded in June of 2020. After the uh, murder of George Floyd, uh, you know, like a lot of us, you know, going through a lot of emotions, um, trying to go through it and 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 deal with with the loss the death of another uh you know black man uh or woman to the hands of 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 the police uh was really difficult and and for a certain moment you know i felt like you know because at that point there's been there'd been so many videos of of uh black men and women being killed and you know nothing really happened and so you learn how to internalize it and, 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 you know, and, and not really, um, sit in it too long. Cause it's, it's, it's really painful. And so, but then, you know, there was a conversation that was started, um, within myself and a few other black skaters about our experiences in the sport. And we started to realize that no matter where we were, whether we lived in France or US or Canada or Australia, we had all very similar experiences in the sport. And we started to realize that there's something that we need to do because the, the, the sport of figure skating wasn't talking about it. No one was talking about systemic racism or, or 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 racism within the sport, and so we decided to uh, to start an alliance of skaters around the world, of black skaters around the world, to to really create a space one that was for us to be able to share our experiences and connect with other black skaters around the world and and heal and have a safe space where we can talk about things that uh, that happened to us and and feel supported. Uh, and feel heard, which was really important for us. So that's that's one that's probably was the 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 main reason why we started FSDI. But then we started to realize that it's it's actually so much bigger than just us, and we need to hold national sport organizations like Skate Canada and and U.S. Figure Skating and uh, and and the International Skating Union. We need to hold them accountable for doing the work and trying to change the things that don't allow black, indigenous and people of color to excel in this sport and to compete at the highest level. And so we committed to um, bringing more uh, accessibility to the sport. Uh, we, we committed to increasing uh, representation 
And that's also part of the reason why I started making videos because I wanted to see, I wanted other young black uh, girls and boys to see me skate and believe that they can do it as well. And with, you know, with FSDIA, uh, we have a group of incredible people and um, this group of women decided that they were going to start a uh, mentorship program called Big Skater, Little Skater. And they put a lot of time in it. And essentially it allows the next generation of uh, black indigenous and, and, and skaters of color to connect with, um, you know, the ones that have made it in the sport and that had had success in the sport and, uh, and, and to be able to be there for them, whether it's emotionally, psychologically, uh, if we can help them find uh, resources, uh, uh, f funding to help them with their skating. Essentially, what we want to do is we want to clear the path uh, for these kids to get to where they want to go and uh, and reach success. Uh, and that depending on, you know, whatever success means to them, we want to be part of that journey with them. Um, so it's it's been a really beautiful uh, journey and I couldn't be more grateful to to have these incredible people doing this this type of work. Um, everyone is so committed, and we're making an impact on skating. We're helping change the culture of of figure skating, and I think that's really important work. I know that you were talking about funding, uh, and I think that that is something a lot of people don't understand is how expensive the sport of figure skating is especially when you're starting out in competitions and traveling and so that's why it's so important for organizations like fsdia to also provide these opportunities for young skaters who um otherwise wouldn't have the ability to start figure skating if they had the dream to do so yeah you know it's uh... As a sport, when you're starting out, it can easily cost around ten to fifteen thousand dollars a year, twenty thousand dollars a year, and you know a lot of, you know, myself included, um, don't have the financial resources to support that. You know, my parents struggled to pay for my skating, and if it wasn't for, um, honestly all of the coaches in my life essentially almost teaching me for free or 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 giving me lessons and telling me that I can pay them you know 5 years later if I need to you know but that they weren't worried about it they just wanted to help out um if it wasn't for that I probably wouldn't be here now and and but the thing is not every athlete is lucky enough to have these kind of people and these coaches uh, come into their lives. And so, you know, and then when you look at the highest level, when you're competing, you know, on the level of the Olympics, you're spending 40, 50, $60,000 a oh, year man. to train, you know, like who, who and not has making that? My that family money. didn't you're have that. You're not getting paid you know? to train. And, and yeah. not, no, exactly. And so I, you know, as an athlete, you have to figure out how to how to make that work. But, you know, as a young family and when you have a kid that wants to skate, but you can't support that, it, it, it makes it it makes it really hard. And uh, and again, we know with systemic racism, you know, my, my dad, you know, one of the most intellectual, brilliant m human beings on this planet, um, you know, w wasn't able to 
find a job because he was an African immigrant, you know? So all these, you know, all of these things just make it really hard for, for, uh, for families, for black families, indigenous families, and, and, and families that are, you know, uh, uh, immigrants. So we want to be able to help with that. And we want to be able to support them in, in those ways. And, and again, you know, we were able to raise, uh, we were able to raise some funds and we've been able to help already, uh, a lot of, uh, skaters with their bills, their coaching bills, their, their skates, we're able to give them uh, a free pair of blades and skates every once in a while. And just that alone is thousand, one pair of skates at that level is $1,500, you know? So it's, it's expensive. And then you switch skates maybe once or twice a year. Uh, and then, you know, choreography is a couple thousand dollars as well. And then costumes are a thousand dollars and then travel and then training. And then ice time is maybe $6,000 a year. So it's just like, you know, the more that we can help them on a financial level, and I know it's not only financial, but it's one of the reasons why uh, we don't see skaters, uh, black skaters at the, you know, compete at the highest level. I know that we already talked about uh, some of the cool celebs that have slid into your DMs. Um, but I also want to ask, is there anyone who you haven't done a backflip over that you really want to do a backflip over? <laughs> it's such a good question. Okay. I had that one, too. It's such a good one. <laughs> yeah. OK, so um, the entire Marvel cast. Marvel would they all be in universe. one huddle or would you do them individually? <laughs> Uh, you know what? I'd probably have to do them individually, <laughs> but I would want to just pile them up. In, in my head, in my head, they're lined out and spaced out perfectly. And you backflip over one and yeah. then backflip back over back to the next, back. to the next. And it's just this relay. <laughs> that would be really cool. Um, yeah. If uh, yeah. So the, the, the Marvel crew, I'm a huge fan of. Um, Denzel Washington, yes. mm-hmm. one of my, mm-hmm. you know, um, Michael B. Jordan. Yes. That would be really cool. Uh, I feel like some of these we, we can make, make it happen. happen. You've already made so much happen you know, in your life. I, this is very doable. <laughs> I think it's possible. I think it's possible. And 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 slowly we're going to we're we're going to get there. You know, we're just going to get one more person and then we're going to get another one and another one and we're going to get there. Do you believe in the idea of setting goals and uh, manifesting them or are you cuz yes, you you are. A lot of successful people believe in that mentality. Did you have that growing up? Was that something that was instilled with you through your parents or is that something that you developed over time? Yeah, I had to develop it over time. You know, my my parents uh you know, they immigrated here with no money and and having to survive, learn to survive. And they've lived in survival mode uh, for most of their lives because they have to provide for three kids and my mom not being able to work because she doesn't speak the language for uh, for many years. So they always they always lived in 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 a space of survival. And it's really hard to think outside of that when you're living in that in that in that state so for me i had to learn with time you know what does it look like for me to set a goal and then to take actions in order to manifest it because i think for the longest time i was like well that's my dream and like i want it to happen but i didn't necessarily know what needed to happen in order for me to attain those goals and and with time you know i realized that it's not just believing like that obviously you have to have this deep belief that you can do it but 
you also have to take actions that are going to take you there. You have to physically put that energy in motion in order to get to uh, uh, to the thing that you want to manifest. So, um, yeah, I had to I had to learn that, and I think that process for me started you know, around that time where I went to Africa and started to realize a lot of things. And I, 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 I started operating from a different intention. And for me, that's when this idea started and I started to explore that. Well, I believe in manifestation because I think we manifested being able to sit down with you today and it totally worked. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Um, We are so grateful for the joy and creativity and art that you put out into the world. Where can our listeners follow you on social media if they don't already? Yeah, uh, on Instagram at Elaj Balday, on TikTok at Elaj Balday. Um, And then I have a YouTube channel. There's not much in it yet, but there's things in the works. Um, exciting stuff that we're going to be working on. So uh, I think it's a large ball day on on uh, YouTube as well. Thank you so much for joining us and inspiring us. Truly, we are so grateful that you took the time. Yeah, it is so nice to meet your heroes and then have them turn out to be everything you wanted them to be and more. And so much more. And what I love is just this theme of vulnerability and the people that we're beginning that we idolize in this world. I I love this cultural shift of vulnerability, like the fact that we could have a conversation with someone as talented and as gifted and as Elage who would be willing to share about what it felt like to have these Olympic dreams and, you know, and and just stare them in the face and have to accept like where he was in life and also look at all the opportunities that were just right there um, at his feet and his fingertips and, and realign his intentions. I mean, just, I feel so flipping back, flipping on the ice inspired <laughs> after this conversation. Oh man. And it's, this was it's interesting because he, not only did he use the word journey, which you all know we love on this podcast, but he shared his journey. And the truth is he is only at the beginning of it. And I am so excited to see what else he does for his sport and for anyone watching. He's going to inspire. He's already inspired so many, but there are so many yet to inspire. You guys, I know you loved this episode as much as we did. If you want to know more or continue to read up on all of this, make sure you check out his organization, Figure Skating Diversity and Inclusion Alliance. And just make sure you follow him on Instagram for all that he's doing and just a continued dose of complete inspiration. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Directionally Challenged and are so inspired just like we are. We have another great one coming for you next week. We will see you then. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with ACAST.